Hey guys, it's Adam and Joel here of the Dollar Ben. We are back and we're doing some more interviews this year. And our first interview for the year is with a person who hasn't spoken to the media or anybody in, in a while about this topic. And we're really proud to have him here and we're really excited about this. And that is our interview here with uh, guest Mark Alessi. Well, thank you very much, Adam. Much appreciated, Joel. Uh, I want hey, everyone to know it's Joel's courtesy and persistence that put this interview together, plus the fact that there's so much noise about me that it's interesting and it needs to be addressed to some extent. And for those of you not, not familiar with Mark, you are the creator, the owner, proprietor of CrossGen, correct? Like well, actually, founder, Disney, I guess? Disney now owns CrossGen. Yes. I was the with my cousin, Gina, we did the entire baseline universe design under the concept that having a unifying theme initially and branching out after would help us catch up with the big boys, Marvel and DC, who had 40 years of pinning nonsense together. And we had to get it done in two to three years in order to catch up what we perceived to be the future in movies and television, particularly in light of the immense steps they've taken in graphic arts and the distribution of the kinds of mythologies we were talking about in our comic books. So, you know, we thought our timing was right, and we went after it. I think I first contacted you back in about 2012, because I know that uh, CrossGen had gone, I think, bankrupt in 2004, and being a fan of, of what you were doing, I was always hearing one side of the conversation. I was always hearing, this was happening, this was happening, this was happening. And it seemed like there was a lot of flack going one direction, but not a lot of response coming back. So I, I hate to read that kind of thing or hear that kind of thing. So I was always kind of curious, well, what was Mark's interpretation? So I guess about four years ago, I had originally contacted you, and now we're talking about 2016. Why have you decided after, well, let's see, four, after 12 years, of silence. Why have you decided to do an interview now? What, what, what prompted you to do an interview now? Well, I, I'm running a new business with new people from my old technology background. We have some pretty phenomenal stuff coming on board soon. And recently, I had one of the investors we're associated with review some background material on me. And it was Mark Wade-related uh, noise that made that person a little uncomfortable, which it would have made me uncomfortable as well. And I've decided this has got to end. You know, one of my thought patterns is with most noise, let it go. The noise will disappear after a while and there's no sense getting in a giant pissing match with a bunch of people who are underarmed. But, you know, at this stage of the game, I felt it had to be responded to and it had to be responded to as cleanly, quietly, and as quickly as humanly possible, and, you know, given your background, Joel, and the way you dealt with me, I thought you might be the right kind of guy to do it with. Well, I appreciate that. Here at, at the Dollar Band, we've never been one for doing the, the 60 minutes gotcha kind of thing. You know, it's always, we try to make it a little bit more informal. I mean, we're going to ask some questions today, and not all of them are going to be fun, uh, but, you know, you said that's what you wanted. You wanted to answer tough questions, so, you know, not all of them are going to be fun, and a lot of them are things that, that people have wondered. Let me just ask the first question, then. I mean, from what I've read, when you started, you were a fairly wealthy person uh, when you started this. Um, yeah. What, 
I don't want to be the guy to ask you how much you were worth, but I mean, did you? Why don't you just? Why don't you not worry about the question? If I don't like it, I'll say it's none of your business. If I do like it, I'll answer it. And if I think it's appropriate, whether I like it or not, I'll answer it. But here's the answer to that question. Here's the answer to the question. It's sort of like I was supposed. I started CrossGen and I had over thirty million dollars in assets. Okay. When we started CrossGen, I looked out at the marketplace and I saw Marvel in DC, and then I saw Image sitting back there with some really remarkable quality stuff. And so I spent a year going to conventions, talking to artists, talking to publishers, talking to people from Wizard, so on and so forth. And I came to the conclusion that it would take us uh, three, four, five, six years to create enough name recognition that the people who were building movies and TV shows would see that there was a tie between the broader spectrum story underlying cross-gen and then all of the underlying stories that existed within cross-gen. So I'm sitting here and starting a company with over $30 million. I margined $3 million worth of stock that I own from Perot Systems from the sale of my leading edge technology company, and I started CrossGen. Well, two weeks short of my lockup on the stock that I had from Perot Systems, some California representative implicated Perot Systems in the California Energy Grid scandal, which you probably know occurred around 2002 or so. And the whole underlying issue there was California seemed to be buying energy from nearby states. Perhaps they weren't being treated fairly. Perhaps there was a misuse, a misunderstanding of funds. But Pro Systems was asked to send in a consulting team, which they did of two people, to take a look at what was going on. Uh, after what I understand from the Pro Systems uh I guess he would be investor relations person. Pro did very little, came back and said, look, there's nothing we can do to help. However, the California representative, in their infinite wisdom, looked down the list of the firms that had taken a look at the California energy crisis, so to speak, and said, wow, Ross Perot, big name, money, always chase the money. So they went after and announced Perot Systems as a player in this California energy grid scandal, whereas uh, Perot didn't make peanuts on it, nor wanted to. So the stock, which had hovered between 27 and 29, took a nosedive from 28.9 when that announcement came out down to $3 in about four days. So in effect, I lost $27 million in four days because I was still under a stock lockup. Now, there's things you can do in regard to that, you could put a collar around your stock. I didn't think that was necessary when I had watched the stock for over two years barely move one or two dollars up or down. And a collar would have cost 1.5 million, which could have been, in my mind, put to better use. So I didn't. So when that hit, CrossGen, which had a game plan to take it out for five, six years, comfortably, with no risk associated whatsoever, was suddenly bereft of its investor because that investor just lost $27 million. So that investor, now that he was well into it and had a team in Florida working, delivering books, went to war to try and gather additional funding, which he did, to keep 
the dream alive, so to speak. Um, in the long run, that loss of those funds kept me from being able to stay to plan and shortened our time frame to meet our goals, and we just didn't make them. We fell maybe a year short. So whose responsibility is that? Mine. I mean, I could have put a collar on it, but if you were making the same decision as me and you hadn't seen stock move more than a dollar in almost two years, I doubt you would have wanted to take out a $1.5 million insurance policy with four weeks to go. Just a guess, but that's what I did. That's what happened. That's why CrossGen ran out of money. And it wasn't that it was was planned that way. It was actually planned for CrossGen to be able to burn through at least $15 million before the returns started coming in the right way. Does that answer that question, or do you have a follow-up? Oh, no. No, that answers it completely. That's, that's good. But nobody knows this stuff because no one asks this stuff, and the village idiots speak at great length. It's okay, but as long as everyone understands when the drivel leaves their mouth, it just hits the ground, and eventually the sun dissipates the drivel. Building off of that, but then also kind of taking it back to the beginning, you have you know, your background in the tech startups and obviously very business-focused what was it that drew you to starting CrossGen, to, to starting an actual a comics company? What drew you to comics? Well, if anyone takes a look around the industry now and looks back at the industry then, they'd find that tremendously talented people were being used as throwaway instruments. Uh, great writers, terrific artists, they got paid per page. Mm-hmm. And being paid per page is, pretty tough to then cover every single bill you might have. So I said, geez, let's put together an organizational structure where we can have an artist work in the same general area, meaning a penciler, with the inker associated with that book, with the writer, and with the colorist. All of them now have the opportunity that they never had before when they were just sending things through FedEx back and forth to discuss the implications of what they were drawing, where shading should come in, where coloring should come in, how do I improve my style on this, how do I get the look I'm looking for when I'm doing the pencils, but I look in consideration to what the inkers are doing or the colorists are doing. And I wanted to give them the things that regular employees like Walmart get, like medical insurance, Mm -hmm. dental insurance, a paycheck, every two weeks. If you're sick and can't do a few pages, you still get paid. We find a way to make it up. It was my feeling that these incredibly talented people had a right to the same general benefits that traditional business people, even at mid to low levels, took as a matter for granted. I mean, if you knew the amount of money we spent on dental in the first two years, it was phenomenal. It was like most of our employees had never been to a dentist, although they took ample opportunity to go to the dentist under our plan. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I wanted to do. So it was twofold. Yeah. And I had a third side irritant that I wanted to address, mm-hmm. which is if, you're, this is a, if, if you want to be treated like business professionals and get all these benefits, make a commitment to do a page a day. Mm-hmm. That way, the consumer knows they're going to get their book on the day you promise to deliver it. Because when I was growing up, I can remember waiting for the Gwen Stacy issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it was a matter of emotional trauma. 
So (laughs) I thought it would be appropriate to make a commitment to our fans that we'd get our books out on time. Mm -hmm. And for over 300 books, we never missed a delivery date. And that's not just me. That's all the people working together. But there's a price tag for saying, you know, I can take Susie to the doctor and she can go through this massive exam because she's my daughter and I have health care. But you have to get up and go to work at 8 o'clock or 8.30. And you have to shower. I know that's sometimes unknown in the comic book culture, but we felt showering was important enough we put actual showers into the building. Well, you don't want to work in a cubicle next to a person who hasn't showered in three days. So I thought that was important. I thought if if you look, feel, and act like you deserve the respect you want, you get it easier. And unfortunately, that was a misjudgment on my part, but only a partial misjudgment. Some of the people involved in the process love that. And by the way, every single employee that walked through those doors and joined our company, many of whom flew from wherever in the country they were with their spouse to take a look at the area on our dime, Mm -hmm. our dime, okay, all understood the perks and the responsibilities to joining CrossGen including Mark Waite. Now, the rules work for everyone or they don't work at all. And everyone had to do their job. Sorry, I make the bold assumption that if you work for the post office, you get up and you go to work. If you work at McDonald's, you get up, you go to work. If you work at, you know, disease control in Atlanta, you get up, you go to work. Why is it that comic book artists can't get up and go to work? Seems to me they should be able to. I mean, they can still bring in their bags of Fritos and their fast food, which they've been living off working nights for years. That's fair. Correspondingly, did you know that we had a cafeteria, that this cafeteria had a gigantic freezer, which was filled with hundreds of microwave foods, entrees, meals, side dishes? Did you know that we had a giant refrigerator filled with every kind of drink you could imagine, all free? Did you know that we had a game room so that when they were working alternate hours, they could go in and play foosball or video games? Were you aware of those things? No, that doesn't come out. Ah, well, see, we paid for all those things, and we made them consistently available to the people because we recognized that to an extent the type of job they had might make them a little late coming in, make them stay a little bit longer, have to stay a little bit later to catch up on work, and I didn't think it would be appropriate to not supplement and help support them in those efforts since it was to the benefit of the overall company. So when you think about it, we moved them here. We gave them a full-blown salary, sick or not. We gave them medical and dental. We paid for all their travel, lodging, and a per diem whenever they went to conventions. They had top-of-the-line equipment. We had Sony Trinitron monitors in when they just came out. We had food, beverages, game room, okay? And uh, let me give you an example. There's a very nice man who I think the world of named Scott Eaton. Reasonably, it's a very good artist. Got much better while he was with us, as did most, most people. But there's an old story about me complaining about a nose that Scott Eaton drew on a character. And guess what? It's the truth. I complained about a nose that looked weird. Correspondingly, that same year, and by the way, everyone made this to be a criminal act. How dare you question an artist's rendering of a nose? 
I know an artist that didn't get a job because of the way he drew a nose. Uh, well, he did a great <laughs> job in most things. But did you know that there was a, let's say, a reign of terror sickness-wise, flu, influenza, et cetera, down in like around 2002. So what did I do? I hired a doctor's office, the entire offices, nurses, doctors, took blood, everything, okay, and gave out prescriptions. Guess who paid for it? I did. Guess what they found out regarding Scott Eaton? His blood pressure was so high, they had to rush him to an emergency clinic because they were afraid he was going to die. His heart pressure, blood pressure was unbelievably high. Okay? Now, what's more important, drawing the nose or saving your life? How many times have you heard that story? I bet not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> would you rather... Be criticized about a nose or die. I mean, you know, just give me your off the top of your head suggestion, thought. Uh, I'd, I'd rather be criticized about a nose personally than die. Ah, <laughs> yeah. What an odd, what an odd resolution on your part <laughs> to think that you would rather live and change the tiny shape of a nose versus die. Ha! Huh. Boy, have you given up your artistic <laughs> confidence and respect? Let me tell you. So when you were, uh, so you, you, you had your headquarters for CrossGen was in Florida. You said uh, you got your flying guys in to check out the headquarters, and this was pretty much, this was being treated as a nine-to-five job. So how did you scout people? How were you sending and, and finding the creators that you wanted to bring back to CrossGen? Interesting question. Good question. Some of them I found, like Scott McNiven, who is a big stud star now. I mean, Steve McNiven. Do you know what he was? Uh, no. He was an art teacher in the eighth grade in Canada, middle school, Canadian art teacher. Yeah. I paid for almost two years of salary for him and his family and moved him here. And eventually got his own book and he turned into a star. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then what did he do? He went to work for Marvel. Yeah. Now. Let you out, huh? Well, you know, I think he let all the people down because at the point in time when... He became a, a serious player. He was an advantage to the company. Mm-hmm. More issues sold means more money coming in, which means we can meet our responsibilities better. And since 20% of the company was held in the name of the employees, they were building their future as well. So when a Steve McNiven walks, and, and there were some personal reasons that were, in my opinion, well, I wouldn't have done what he did. But he has some personal reasons to do so, and uh, the result is we lose somebody that talented. But he wasn't very talented for the first two years. Yeah. In fact, we had to have a chat with him and say, if you don't start getting better, you know, we can't carry you forever. This is not like, you know, an education program. So, does that, but see, your original question is, how did I find people? Yeah. I found Scott McNiven at a convention. Okay, okay. Ron Mars. May he be the most cowardly son of a bitch I've ever heard of, okay? Because he insulted my wife in a New York convention 10 years after CrossGen. And I can assure you if I'd been standing at the end of the podium, the chances of Ron Mars saying what he said about my wife would be unlikely. Actually, I'm sure that would not have happened because he is by nature both an emotional and conventional coward, okay? But he gave us advice on a lot of people. Some were good. Some were terrible. Yeah. 
Bart Sears, tremendous technician. Okay, Bart Sears, unbelievably bad manager, and spent most of his time, purportedly, purportedly, chasing women employees and staying with them while he had just had a new baby. So it was like he averaged a brand new child per company. Hopefully, uh, that makes the current situation clear because he works for a company that his wife now runs, which uh, he met at our firm. So I grabbed where I got Bart Sears, and I made mistakes. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I didn't have enough knowledge of people in that industry to be able to make the kinds of judgment calls I would have liked to have made and would have made in the technology industry, where I had hooks yeah. in many, many different areas. I mean, frankly, before we go too far, I, I, I owe people, some bunch of people apologies, yeah. because their talent and skill, for lack of a better way to put it, underutilized and underappreciated, because I was listening to people who had things in common with me, like sports, which I really love, and other comics, older comics, which mm-hmm. I really love, who were giving me advice that seemed logical because they had been in the industry for 25 years, but was clearly self-centered. But uh, let me just throw out a few names. A guy named James Brightbeal. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. James Brightbeal, smart guy, worked hard. People didn't re- recognize it, but he was a first-string quarterback for the University of West Virginia in football, which is pretty big-time football. Yeah. Uh, the first guy hired, Ian Feller, smart as the whip, creator of Code 6 Comics, never got enough support and respect from me and should have given him more, and, and I hope he'll find that this is a vehicle for at least expressing publicly an apology. Barbara Kiesel. Barbara came from a tough industry where men dominated the industry, not women, by far, particularly in the decision-making quarters. She was terrific, but because the guys wouldn't adapt easily to her, I took parts of her role away and diminished her in the process of diminishing myself. When if I had any courage or integrity, and I did use, I used to have it before CrossGen, I would have said the people who don't like Barbara Kiesel being in charge of writing should no longer consider employment here. Hmm. Okay? You know? I had, I had guys who I thought the world of that should have been in higher positions. Tony Bedard and Chuck Dixon were probably the two best writers in the entire stable of writing people. Yeah. Now, Barbara would have been a better manager, but they were great writers. A guy named Rick Magyar, who was an anchor, and he was just a study in where can I pitch in, where can I help out, you know, how can I help us make this deadline Mark Pennington, inker, not just an inker, knowledgeable of all of everything, writing, storytelling, etc., but a great leader. He should have been in charge of the art world. Outstanding leader. Don Hilsman, good attitude, good guy, you know, tried to keep spirits up. Mike Perkins, uh, Mike Perkins was an inker mm-hmm. on Ruth, and he was a... Uh, a gifted communicator from the perspective that he got along with people and got them to see the right things. Carl Moline, who I stole from a Josh Wheaton book and who did Route 666, tremendous talent. Wish I could have watched him grow the way he could have and should have. You know, so, you know, those are some good things that needed to be said yeah. because there were some people there, you know, Scott Pelletier, terrific, terrific, terrific guy. 
Rob Hunter, you know. So, you know, it's not that I, that there weren't some great people there, but in order, to, when you go up against a mega monster like monster like Marvel or or DC, yeah. that has a deal with the distributor that massively puts you behind the eight ball in getting both fairness and presentation of product and the costs for distribution were radically different, um, it's tough to get ahead. In order to get ahead, everybody's got to work hard. you got to beat the system. The system won't let it beat you. There are people, okay, who wanted to continue to make the money they were making doing something they really weren't doing very well. And, you know, whenever something pops, a question you guys should even ask yourselves Mm -hmm. is who benefits? Yeah. Did anyone really benefit from cross-gen going down other than the fact that a lot of people that worked at Marvel and DC got fired and were replaced with cross-gen artists <laughs> who were better? I mean, yeah. but who benefits? So, your next question. Well, I was going to kind of build off that a little bit and you and maybe ask kind of if working with all these artists, and I know you kind of wanted to put together cross-gen with a business mindset, if maybe maybe the reason it wasn't a comics industry wasn't run that way is because maybe the artistic type people have trouble adjusting to the business lifestyle. Absolutely agree. Yeah. And, but you can't say I want medical, I want dental, I want a paycheck when I'm sick. I want all these things. Yeah. And I want to not come to work and stay up all night in my pajamas (laughs) and never shave or shower and eat Fritos. Yeah. You got to make a decision. Every one of the people who came to us was given the entire presentation of what life would be once you entered the cross-gen zone. Yeah. If you wanted to, if you were good enough and you wanted to work for Marvel in D.C. and, you know, put on a hoodie and stay up all night eating ding-dongs, God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't do it for this company because we're paying for your insurance. Right. You know, and we've made a commitment to our clients that if we say we're delivering this book on March 9th, guess what? It hits the stands month March 9th. Yeah. But you're right. There was a number of them that weren't attuned mm-hmm. to that lifestyle because they'd never lived it. So what they really wanted was their cake and to eat it too. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I mean, I'm going to bring up the name here. Uh, Mark Wade. You brought him in, and he seemed like... And then the correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark. He seemed like he was going to be your uh, your major domo, your your second in command. For- no, no, no. There was no there was no second in command. There was no major domo, but he was going to be a name artist. And we brought him in specifically to write a complex book called Ruse, okay, which would have truly tested his writing abilities. He would have had to extend himself beyond the Flash and Superman. But he knew what the game plan was going in. And frankly, I'll state it again, he's a psychopathic megalomaniac in my opinion. Okay? Did anyone ever tell you the story of the fit he threw in the building and that we had to ban him from coming into CrossGen? Um, Adam, I don't think I've ever heard that one of you. No, I have not. All right. Well, there's only maybe 60 witnesses. He got into a pissy fit, which was more the norm than not, went through his office, punched four or five holes in the walls, okay? And I kept thinking to myself, God damn, how did he miss all the studs? Shit. 
And then he went and broke all his little toys all over his office, toys from DC, Marvel, etc. And then he stormed out of the building. Now, would you say it's the act of the normal individual to destroy their office, punch holes in the walls, smash all the furniture, and break all their own personal toys? No. Well, we left the office that way for months and months and months as a reminder that this is not tolerable. And he was not allowed in the building. He had to meet his ruse team off-site. And quite frankly, after a month or two, it became incredibly apparent that the team that was working on that, which was Butch Geis, um, Mike Perkins, Laura Dupuy, yeah. they were really writing the story. Mark was showing up periodically to uh, offer his assistance. Yeah. Oh, by the way, do you know when CrossGen closed? You know what he sent us? A black wreath. Oh. Sixty people that were purportedly his friends had just lost their income stream, and he sends us a black wreath. And what it, it said, what would your wife, Jill, think about you now? He's referring to my wife who died two years earlier from a massive heart attack. So what kind of man sends a black wreath when 60 of his friends have lost their jobs and their income and their insurance and everything else, and then he refers back to my dead wife who he never met? Now, does that sound like a normal human being? No. All of these things, by the way, are totally verifiable. Other than that, I just say it's my opinion. Yeah. Are you guys surprised at any? Are you guys surprised at any of this? Because the, the the silence is deafening from your end. You're supposed <laughs> well, to be doing again, an interview. Well, no, you're you're doing great talking. And the thing is, Mark, is like I said, we got one end of things, and it's just trying to process what's going on. I mean, from Mark Wade, I think the most famous quote he ever said was, um, uh, "Mark." I was a little kid with a checkbook. Well, an eight-year-old with a checkbook and the biggest bully he had ever met in his life. And I think that's probably, and that's probably the most quoted quote right. well, for let's, a let's deal, quote, I think, that's the whole thing. Well, let's, let's deal with both aspects of that. He was one of the highest-paid individuals in the company, and he insisted upon it. And he insisted on a full, complete move, including moving 80 billion tons of his comics from wherever the heck he lived all the way down to Florida. So my checkbook paid for that. He wasn't bitching then, okay? So one has to wonder, if I'm spending money on him, wouldn't I be spending money on other things? And by the way, if I was truly the bully he said, okay, he would still be in recuperation from the awful beating I would have given him way back in 2002. So I'm not a bully but I confront things directly, and artists have temperaments. Mm -hmm. They get attitudes. They don't deal with business issues. And mm -hmm. then Wade quoted something about some person who had been told they had to wear and did in mm -hmm. a staff meeting a dunce cap and sit in the corner. Mm -hmm. Well, one, Wade wasn't there when that supposedly happened. The person it supposedly happened to was either, and this is where they can't get their story straight, mm -hmm either Ian Feller or James Brightfield, both of whom would tell you never happened. Yeah. They never would have allowed it to happen. And frankly, I would have been afraid to tell James Brightfield to do it anyways, because you're talking 6'2", 220, right. you know, a near NFL athlete. Uh, I'm not telling him it. wear a thumbs <laughs> cap. Are you crazy? 
<laughs> and it never happened. But people love to hear that story. Okay? And the beauty to it is this was part of one of Wade's superpowers. He could see into the past with 2010 vision. And not only that, he understood the motivations of everyone and everything around him. So, of course, he was not there when it occurred or supposedly occurred. Mm -hmm. But he saw it. He understood the motivations. That made me a bully. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Reality index here, guys? Yeah. Just to look I mean, just a little bit. I mean, more so than the stories themselves was the timing. I mean, it came around, you know, the, the story started circulating around 2003, which didn't really help CrossGen much anyway because you start hearing those stories um, about the employee, I don't want to say abuse, but, you know, uh, making employees stand in the corner, putting down Give me out. Give me an example. Um, we did the corner. We did the corner. What's the other one? Uh, dunce caps, redraw entire pages, tearing them up. I mean, you know, you... you oh, no, 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 no. Those things no. circulated, like, you know, in 2003. They just happened to start circulating at the wrong time. Um, but by the way, one, I never ripped up a page of art in my life. I have too much respect for it. Two, do you know that I paid them a wage and a salary to draw those pages? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. And I paid them if I wanted to keep it myself personally, I paid them a per page rate. Yeah. So I paid them double. Hmm. So I would submit to you there's no logical consistency in that argument. Didn't rip up any pages. Okay? Mm -hmm. How, did I raise my voice at times? I don't know. Have you ever raised your voice? <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's it. <laughs> If you can come up with another one, I'll be glad to listen to it. Right. But it's so far you've come up with drivel, not right. one substantive truthful statement that you've heard. Well, I mean, I guess I guess well, if, if there was a page that was well, drawn, I can tell you shitty things I did, but I'm not going to. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Well, I was gonna say, I guess you know, if you're paying an employee and to do a page and the page isn't what it was meant to be, then making them redraw it again doesn't seem. You know, asinine. <laughs> it seems like something that would happen. One, I didn't do that. I wasn't close enough to what they were doing yeah. to do that. I walked around the bullpen every day, yeah. looked at what they were doing. But we had people who studied the art. We had people who kept the storyline, kept characters running in the right sequence. Yeah. So I didn't do that stuff. I was busy on the phone seeing if we could get Diamond to cut us a marginally similar rate to Marvel in D.C. So I had a different job. So the people who said I was doing those other things were missing the boat on what I was really doing. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. Their job was to draw. Instead, they found they're very much like a bunch of old women sometimes. They uh, gossip. They have nothing else to do. They sit around and gossip. And trust me, Mark Alessi, the man, is nowhere near as big is Marcel, Mark Alessi the myth. <laughs> yeah. Okay? I mean, people's first thing they say to me is, I thought you'd be much taller. <laughs> well, I, fig yeah, I figured with a lot of the stories of you inter being so involved, and, yeah. you know, it's a big company. Obviously, in, at its pinnacle, CrossGen was a really big company um, when you guys kind of split out into the, the different companies. And just the idea of kind of a person in your position We never being... split into different companies. We oh, set really? a different subsidiary called Code 6. Yeah which was an endeavor to generate a range of titles outside of the cross-gen universe mm -hmm. and attract people who might 
not felt comfortable with the universe because we were 20 issues along, mm -hmm. but would pick up a new book. Yeah. And the credit for Code 6 goes to Ian Feller. And Ian Feller worked like a dog to make that happen and pull it off, and he deserves accolades for some of the best books we had. Yeah. Chuck Dixon and him put together El Cazador, mm -hmm. a brilliant story. Okay, We went out, and we got Dimitrius to do a Batizad with us. Mm -hmm. And correspondingly, guess who is the artist on about his ad? That was part of your homework, Adam. <laughs> I mean, Joel. I didn't get that one. Things, uh, life took a, took a turn this week, Mark. I'm so sorry. Who, who was? Mike Plug. I got on the phone with Mike Plug in England, and I said, Mike, remember the woodsman story you did and the Santa Claus? I want that level art for this fairy tale type story by Demetrius called about his ad. So you two guys hooked together, set it up, I did, okay? Mm -hmm. And guess what? They made a, a massively great comic, massively great comic. In fact, Disney tried to publish it right. in books, like softbound books, mm -hmm. but then if you hide it in the bookstore at Walden, <laughs> next to something like cooking with Thai ingredients, <laughs> you yeah. probably won't get a lot of sales. Right. <laughs> In preparing for this, I did a lot of a lot of reading, a lot of research, and everybody has a theory for why CrossGen eventually folded. And I'll get well, the first the first reason I gave you, we right. were we had planned to lose fifteen million dollars. That was part of the plan. We knew it would take that long to create a cultural impact to take advantage of a burgeoning industry for movies and TV mm -hmm. that were getting better and better at creating fantasy and making it look like reality. Right. We knew what we were doing. We just had all that money to start with. And then that California representative, may God haunt him forever, <laughs> yeah. said something just because Perot was a money face. And as they say, always look to the money when you're suing. Well, do you feel like um, like reaching into media and movies and uh, web comics and things like that with CrossGen and kind of everything that you guys were doing, it seems like you guys were pretty much ahead of your time. Do you feel that was the case? Of course we were ahead of our time. We did yeah. comics on the web before anyone else. Yeah. Okay? Were yeah. we ahead of our time? Yeah. We built Forge and Edge. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Everybody said, why'd you do that? Because I got a ton of cross-gen fans who are now not picking up Scion and Sigil and others because the story's gone too far yeah. for them to catch up. So if we make cheap Edge and Forges, which give them three, four, six books at a crack, mm -hmm. they can catch up quickly. Or they could go to comics on the web and pay one fee, which is like, I don't know, $29 a year, and read every single cross-gen comic online. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gee, oddly enough, did we miss that? <laughs> were, you, were you guys maybe yeah. ahead of the technology at the time, do you think, heard it? Of course we were ahead of the technology. I came from technology. Right. I brought over, I had a brilliant IT guy named Cortland Whitehead, okay? And an old friend of mine, Jim Steichleather, pitched in and helped develop a product called Chameleon, which actually displayed the comics and allowed for alternate language translation. So you could be sitting in France and read a cross-gen comic and say, I want to read it in French. And oddly enough, <laughs> parlez-vous français? <laughs> oui, monsieur. <laughs> Do you think that's going to be CrossGen's big, big legacy is being innovative? Oh, I mean, who cares what CrossGen's legacy is? The only disappointing, disappointment I seriously have is that 
we were two or three issues months away from tying that whole Uber story together and then branching out into a range of new titles with new people in it, all tied to the cross-gen universe. We were two to three issues away. That's why I fought like a demon. I sold a ton of personal art to keep cross-gen afloat. I sold a seven-page story by, hear this, Roy Crankle, Williamson, and Frazetta. Yeah. Ah, I sold the original Conan done by, who did the original Conan? Do you guys remember? Uh, he was uh, Robert Howard. Yeah. No, he wrote he wrote the book. He who did the, the original pencils and for Marvel? Not Buscema. No, Buscema came after him. He did the first 22 issues. Look it up. And I had his original test book, all 22 pages, 20 pages, that he did to get Marvel to agree to do Conan. So I I sold a ton of personal art to keep us afloat, stuff that I had painstakingly selected over 20 years. I sold the paychecks to cover paychecks Uh. for people. For the last, because I wanted to finish the Uber story, yeah. I felt we owed it to the people who had bought hundreds of thousands of cross-gen books over the years. I mean, cross-gen did fold, and and from what I've seen, though, a lot. How can I say this? The majority of the blame laid at why cross-gen went over was the tendency to expand too fast. I mean, that's what everybody seems to put their finger on. All right, let me, let me, you want me to answer it or not, or is there more to that question? I was about to spin it into my own personal theory, but uh, you answer that <laughs> Well, I could, I could give you the truth. It's even better than Joel's then theory. I'm not interested in that. you have a theory if you want. <laughs> All right. I'm not right, interested okay. in Joel's theory. Okay, here's the truth. <laughs> the truth is that CrossGen needed to broaden the range of its titles, hence Code 6. Yep. It was the logical rationale to bringing new people into the CrossGen universe that didn't have to worry about whether they missed the prior 40 issues or 30 issues. Edge and Forge expanded because we wanted to give the people who might want to read the past issues the ability. Were these overly smart moves? They were calculated risks. But now you see omnibuses like Forge and Edge from all the other players, don't you? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Ah, geez. Let me tell you, is imitation the most sincere form (laughs) of flattery? That's what I hear. (laughs) For me, what, what what seemed for me at the time was in in the midst of the of the monetary problems, it seemed to me like the last nail in the in, in the coffin for you, so to speak, was all the rumors going around. I mean, we addressed partially, um, you know, the quote dictatorial style that you had, but there was also that persistent rumor floating around of freelancers getting stiff, not getting paid, being told that they would never be paid. You know, I mean, well, that well, 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 that well. made people nervous. Well, yeah, they were nervous like two years before that, but go ahead and use that as the reason if you'd like. Did some people who were did some people who were independents not get paid toward the tail end? Yes. Hmm. Correspondingly, when you have no money, it's harder to pay it. Yeah. Okay? I sold almost everything I owned to keep paying them. Once I got done selling almost everything I owned, I didn't have that money, and some of the things we'd hoped for weren't breeding successfully because of rumors that cut people off from buying more books, which would have solved many of those problems. It's all a circle. But you also have to understand, Marvel made like a dollar more book than I did. Yeah. So did DC, okay? And their paper 
sucked yeah, compared yeah, to our paper. paper. Sucks. Use the word sucked. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever see an ad in a cross-gen book? No. Right. No. Geez, isn't that odd? You mean you could read a comic, and when you're done, you've read the comic instead of you've read 39 ads from Marvel on their next books, on toys, on games, on video games. No. We figured one of the things we wanted to do was make comics comics, not comics advertising magazines. We succeeded. If we had done ads from the very beginning, we would have hit our window of making the time frame we needed. Plus, I have a bitch with Steven Spielberg. Make sure you spell his name correctly. Sure. Okay? <laughs> Steven Spielberg is probably one of the least considered human beings on the face of the earth, in my opinion. Okay? We sold the rights to The Way of the Rat and Route 666 to DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. I myself met with Jeffrey Katzenberg. Okay? They hired a guy named Chuck Russell, who you might know of since he did The Scorpion King and The Mask and other movies, okay? who worked with his friend Frank Darabont, who you might know who did The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile, mm -hmm. and came up with a screenplay that after 33,000 revisions was accepted by DreamWorks. The only thing holding up a green light on the movie was Steven Spielberg, who wanted to read the screenplay. Well, Steven Spielberg promised to read it and didn't. Then he promised to read it again and didn't. Then he said he was going off to the Poconos with his gorgeous wife, Kim Cattrall, and read it, which he didn't. And therefore money that we expected in from a movie, yeah. which would have also helped us massively, Absolutely. never occurred. Why? Because Spielberg thought people would be more interested in concentration camp movies than in entertaining movies. Now, is there a value in concentration movies? Sure. I think it's, an, it's something that never should be forgotten, mm -hmm. ever, nor should be the millions of Russians who were killed by Stalin, or the hundreds of millions of Chinese who were killed by Mao Zedong, okay? Yeah. So do I respect what he did in that regard? Of course. But if you say I'm going to do something, do it. He could have come back and said the movie's no good. I don't like it. We're releasing the rights. Go find someone else. Did he? No. So either he's a liar or Michael Uslan, who is our rep to Hollywood who did all the Batman movies, is not telling the truth. Well, my track record with Michael Uslan is I never caught him in an untruth. My track record with Steven Spielberg is I never caught him in a truth. <laughs> Jeez, you judge. And everybody's scared to death of him. When Steven Spielberg breaks wind, <laughs> buildings shake in Hollywood. Good, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> Bet you that'll keep him out of your bed for a few minutes. <laughs> Well, when all is said and done, and Carl, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry, Joel. No, you, no, you, you were asking the same question I was going to. Well, ask. I was, well, I probably not. Well, <laughs> well, why don't you just ask? Any, well, I'll throw something else out that I need to say. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, when I first started CrossGen, the first guy I hired after Ian Feller was a guy called Brandon Peterson. Mm -hmm. Brandon Peterson is not the most easy human being to get along <laughs> with. Okay. But Brandon Peterson is absolutely, unquestionably, the most skilled comic book creator in existence. He can ink, 
pencil, color, do 3D, write stories. He is absolutely superb. He is a savant in comics. And if he wasn't such personality disaster, he probably, in my opinion, he probably would have been maybe the best-known creator ever. His series, Solus, which anyone has a brain should go grab every copy they can, was a study in how do you do everything right, okay? Now, you had a question that you were both arguing about having the same question, <laughs> except neither of you said it. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Joel. Now, I mean, looking back at, at everything that's happened with CrossGen and the people you hired. Should I look and, forward? <laughs> well, if you were to start, <laughs> what, did, what did you learn from the experience? I mean, if you ever decided you wanted to start ah. a comic company again, what would you do different this time around? Not do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty yeah, easy answer. Well, you're you're talking about changing a culture, and the culture has been all the way back to the days when they threw millions of dollars of comic book art on the ground at Marvel to soak up leaks. <laughs> John Buscema art, mm -hmm. Kirby art. They threw it on the ground to soak up water. Yeah. Do you know what that's worth today, or would be if it was whole? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, this culture existed long before Alessi. Did Alessi think that people that, and by the way, all the people we hired, we hired very few kids. Mm -hmm. We hired more senior people because I wanted folks who had families and kids and responsibilities and medical care meant something and dental care meant something. And it worked yeah. for a couple of years. But at some point in time, they fell back into old habits. They fell back into, you know, oh, I can't draw right now. Well, mm. What happens if I went into work and said, oh, I can't serve that burger right now. I just don't feel like it. Why don't you guys come back tomorrow and I'll serve you a burger? <laughs> or maybe the next day. Or you're interested in buying this car? I'm sorry. I'm closing up for the day. And we'll sell you a car one of these days if we're interested <laughs> or if we feel like doing it that day. Come on, the world doesn't work that way. Right. I made a mistake. My mistake. I ate my lunch was eaten by it. <laughs> I thought these people had the character and the willpower to say I want to take care of my family. Apparently I was wrong. Except for those people I mentioned to you, which if you get their names wrong I punish you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I had disappointment. I had disappointment. I told you about Steve McNiven, remember? Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. Well, I have I have an issue with a guy named Mike Atia, mm -hmm. who lives in San Francisco and does coloring. He was eminently supportive, probably the perfect employee, worked hard, cared about other people, pitched in. Mm -hmm. But I put him in a cubicle situation with Josh Middleton, who, in my opinion, might be the single most deceitful human being, even exceeds Wade because he's more clever, okay? And a guy named Dexter Vines. Mm -hmm. They made a big stink because they wanted to make a character in that book, our first black character, and make it a villain. My personal feeling is I didn't want my first black character to be a villain. Mm -hmm. And the week after my wife died of a heart attack, they were posting everywhere, doing articles on what a racist I was. So my 13-year-old daughter, who had just lost her mom, 
is now reading all over the Internet how her dad is a racist. Come on, guys. Mm. Play the game straight or fair to some extent. Mm. I was ecstatic when Tony Bedard made the hero of negation a black guy. Mm -hmm. And not only did he make him a black guy, he had no powers other than intelligence, strength, willpower, and leadership. I loved it. But is it inappropriate to say, let's not have our first character a villain? Yeah, I mean, you'd have got backlash for that, oh, especially, you're a especially now in the Internet age. You're <laughs> if that happened today, well, you'd have seriously got backlash for that. So, did you see my point? Yeah. But this guy, between Dexter Vines and Josh Middleton, this was interviewed everywhere. And my daughter said, ah, wow, my mom's dead, my dad's a racist, this is a really good week. Yeah. Do you hear that story yet? Nah. Ah, see? I had lots to say. I just hoped the noise would go away and just let things be. They wouldn't let things be. Yeah. And now they deserve the public acclaim for the destruction of what could have been the best comic book company in history. Yeah. We trained the best comic book people. We brought in half a dozen people from Italy who were brilliant, but they required seasoning and work. So we hired them, brought them in, had them do some spare issues, fill in, and pretty soon they were doing their own books. And they were fabulous. But somebody had to make the commitment to bring them to speed. Mm -hmm. What do you think? They read the Joe Buscema's book on how to draw <laughs> Marvel comics and yeah. all of a sudden were there? <laughs> yeah. No. But the forum allowed you to learn a lot. Mm -hmm. You draw something, you walk over to an inker, and you say, what does he think? What do you think? He goes, well, how the hell am I going to shade that? How can I enhance that? You miss this, you miss that. And then he walks over to the colors who says, yeah, well, if you do that, we lose all of our lighting here. That's what made them better. Yeah. Because they combined their knowledge and strengths, which had always been separated. The reason Brandon's so great is when he pencils, he's thinking of inking and coloring in the story. He's the only one I've ever seen do that. And pick up Solus, S-O-L-U-S. Mm -hmm. Probably in the dollar bit. Yeah, absolutely. There. There's a plug for you guys. There's a plug for you guys, huh? <laughs> yeah. Now I, I've I've got a lot of the uh, the cross gen stuff over the years that I've been pretty much putting together an entire collection of all of it, mainly from dollar bits at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, and other disappointment. Mm -hmm. In fact, probably totally outside of cross gen, but a big disappointment. I had a bus. I, we owned Megacon in Orlando. Right, yeah. I had a bus go up and bring all the old creators down to see CrossGen because they had heard all these things about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking like Johnny Ramita Sr., those guys. Yeah. Okay? Well, Johnny Ramita Sr. comes down. He and his wife, amongst a whole bunch of others, George Perez, all came in to see it, right? Mm -hmm. So Johnny Ramita Sr. says, I tell him one of my favorite issues he ever did was the Gwen Stacy thing. Mm -hmm. And I'd love a drawing by Gwen Stacy mm -hmm. with Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane Parker in it because I was a big fan. He said, no problem. Made a big donation to his granddaughter's illness fund. Mm -hmm. One of his sons has a daughter who's ill. And guess what he did? He never sent me the picture. Oh, oh man. Okay? Now, this is one of my heroes. Yeah. Okay? Never sent the picture. Okay? Actor. Do you know, if you go look up actor, 
you'll say it'll find you'll say it says see heroes or something. You know what actors stood for? A commitment to our roots. And I started it. I paid all the legal fees for it. I ran it at my conventions first. And all the work was done by cross-gen people, and all the money went to artists who were older, who were in trouble, who couldn't pay their electricity, who maybe lived in, you know, older houses with problems or trailers, etc. Mm-hmm. That's what it was for. Now, if you look up actor, it says, see heroes. Hero says, Jim McLaughlin and Joe Casada. oh, and Mark Alessi helped a little, uh, started Heroes to give funds to older comic people. Really? Is that what it is? I paid thousands in legal bills. I used my own staff for hundreds of hours to set it up and do it. And you know who gets paid a full salary now to administer Heroes? Jim McLaughlin. It took from a side task where he was helping me out, okay, to now he gets a full salary. And that money could be going to people in need. Because there's not like an old comic book retirement home. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I tried to do. Did you ever hear the Bridges product we built? No. no. You never heard. See, does anyone ever tell the truth <laughs> to you people? Ever. I mean, well, no, anything. Nobody's going to tell your side but you, though. I mean, no, nobody's going to tell you. It's, it's the truth. All well, right. To be fair, I don't really pay attention. I hired a school teacher, school teacher named Beth Wydera. Beth Wydera was in charge of two things. MegaCon, the convention, which she learned as she went, and a product called Bridges, in which we were using comic books to teach kids how to read, because then they could see the words, and this is a verb, and it's associated with this picture, and we were building them for multiple grades, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, figuring, one, I'm creating a future audience for my books, and two, I'm helping kids learn how to read, because a lot of them need to visualize something while they see the word. Mm-hmm. We built the entire Bridges product, okay? Did you ever hear about it? No. Nope. No. There you go. No. Well, <laughs> we're on the verge of selling a half dozen school systems on it and implementing it because we would have done it at cost when CrossGen hit its fall. Yeah. But you don't hear this stuff, do you? No. Ah, gee, it's not too bad. <laughs> But I really want you to know I'm a four-foot-two gnome troll <laughs> with bullyish habits, and I wear a long peaked cap and sit in the corner and glare at people. Well, in the end of CrossGen, I mean, you, had, you definitely had people that stuck with you to the end. How are your relations? Do you still have relations? should have bought twice as many books. should have <laughs> bought twice as many books, kept us alive. Go ahead. Do you still have um, a relationship with anybody that was from the CrossGen days? Anybody uh, yeah. you Brian still talk to? Polito and Brian Polito, who would have lost Lady Death, yeah. but before they went bankrupt, he sold it to me. Yeah. I helped him recreate it as medieval Lady Death, and it was brilliant. And then before I went bankrupt, I sold it back to him. Mm-hmm. So he never lost his star property. My gift to Brian Polito, because <laughs> I loved him like a brother. Yeah. So, Digger. Remember Digger's toys? Digger? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Digger Phelps. One of the greatest guys on earth. Tell you the truth, keep this word, doesn't make any difference. Do I keep in touch with many of them? Not really. A little bit Don Hillsman, but mostly I've been working very hard on my own future business. Yeah. And I was hoping the noise would go away. Yeah. And when the noise last month hit me, 
that's when I called Joel up and I said, this got end. This just got end. I mean, this is like, you know, 13, 14 years later. And Mark Wade's being quoted by a super knowledgeable high-end investor. Mark yeah. Wade's a moron. Do you, I'm sorry. Do you, do you think talking with us, do you think this is going to help? In my opinion. Kill the noise? What? You think it's going to help kill the noise well, at all? It depends on how good you guys are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's back on us. Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, you, you look at Joel. Did you want this interview? Oh, after you okay. three years? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> did I tell you we'll that sure I wanted it? Knows about it. Did, did I tell you I wanted it in print publishing somewhere? And you so said you up. would? We'll make sure I, you don't have to have it done yet, but <laughs> you said you were. Yeah. For God's sakes, put it in Wikipedia uh-huh. so that the village idiots yeah. then get an alternative view. Okay? Right. Because all I want is the truth. I don't really care what it is. Was I perfect? No. Did I yell at people? Yes. Did I save Scott Eaton's life? Yes. Yeah. I'm a good guy. I'm a bad guy. I'm not perfect. I tried to take a group of really grammar school level emotional mentality talented people and turn them into a business. Well, I guess I'm not God. Correspondingly, we had something special going that if the money hadn't been stolen from me, which is how I look at it, okay, CrossGen right now would be the number one comic book in the country, company in the country. We had more stories that lend itself to more of the kinds of graphic arts that are coming out in movies today mm-hmm. than anyone else. Yeah. I just have uh, two questions I want to ask you. Um, is there anything that you think that we did not cover that you would like to have covered? And do you feel that you've been treated fairly? Well, how I'm treated is pretty irrelevant. The implications it has to other people I work with is very relevant. Mm-hmm. And I can't accept people punishing people they don't know with things that aren't even true. So they must go away or we will take legal action against them, and I will gut them, okay? i just as soon have it all go away, okay? I wanted to straighten out the record from all the noise. Is this my opinion? Of course it's my opinion. It's my voice, you know? Mm. Do I want to say things? Yeah, I think Ron Mars is a coward. Repeat it. I think Mark Wade is nuts. Repeat it, okay? I think Josh Middleton is nuts. I think Dexter Vine is a weakling. Uh, I think Scott Eaton should take a deep breath and go, wow, thanks, Mark. I think guys like my uh, VP of finance, you know, Mike Beatty, him and a guy named Chris Orr and Bart Sears and Ron Mars had credit cards for the company due to their roles. Well, guess what? For two years, they all went out to breakfast, lunch, and dinner together on the cards, which we have the American Express records to prove, okay? And... You know, all the people I flew out to conventions, we had like our full team at Comic-Con and half teams everywhere else, paid for the lodging, hotels, everything. Do you know where all that mileage went? To Mike Beatty's personal mileage account. So he got to fly all over the world for free. And there's reason to believe he paid many of his personal bills. I mean, I think we cleared up a lot of stuff, Mark. I mean, there's a lot of, we covered a lot of ground. I think we... You know, at the very least, you've got your side of things, and we're going to make sure, and I'm sure I can speak for Adam, and Adam, you can call me a liar if you want, but, yeah. I, you know, we'll make sure that it gets out there. I'll make sure that there's, and put it into Wikipedia and all that, like I promised. We'll make sure it happens. We'll, and, you know, there there will be a press release and stuff, but we'll do our bit to make sure that people can find, you know, this interview. It's not worth doing an interview if you just 
if you don't let anybody know about it, it just sits there. So we will make well, it. You right. have make sure that I have a question for you guys. Is there one other rumor, reservation, thought pattern that you would give relevance to, to some minor extent even, that I can clear up now? Because when we're done, you, there should be like nothing on. They should, I should be getting a presidential pardon. So <laughs> ask. No. Oh, I've asked everything. I mean, a lot of the questions we had you covered, um, even without us asking it, and a lot of the questions we combined. I think I've I've covered everything that I wanted to. Adam, is there anything that you wanted to know about? No, and honestly, like um, like I said, I've read some of the cross. I've read the cross gen stuff, and I've enjoyed it. And I know a lot of people that have worked for cross gen or had worked for cross gen. And I didn't know really. I never really paid attention to any of the specifics myself. I knew that there was some sort of uh, negative kind of connotation to the way that cross gen ended out. But personally, I never really really paid much in-depth mind to a lot of it. So a lot of this is, is new to me in general, other than, like I said, a general negative connotation. So, I um, mean, this, this for me was uh, pretty informative and educational and for me. And, well, I appreciate that. So I believe what you're saying back to me is yeah. there's no stone from your perception unturned here. No. I think, please, every rumor that I had or every negative thing that I had read I put in here. So if there is something, it's something that slipped by me in the last week of, of doing my Oh, research. by the way, we're not doing like rebuttal interviews. No. Mark no, Wade no. will read this, and after he spins around his head on the top for like six weeks, <laughs> okay, he's yeah. going to want 59 people to interview him, <laughs> okay? There will be right. no rebuttal. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't answer my question about Joe Casada, which I did but want that's to That's right. Mention. I knew there was something I was forgetting. Okay. Let me ask you this. Now, that is something that, that did slide my that did slip my mind. Uh-huh. It, seems, it it seems like every interview that you gave in that time period, it seemed like you were picking up bashing. Fight. That's right. With Joe Casada. Are That's you two right. friends? Where are your two friends? And why did you go after him the way you did? Almost like a WWE wrestling kind of thing. Why did Even you go worse after him? if I could have. If I could have. One, we're not necessarily friends. I don't think we're enemies. But my going after Casada meant that the number 31 size comic book company in the industry was being mentioned in almost every press release by Marvel, the number one comic book company in the industry. Mm-hmm. So we vaulted from 31 to three or four in just over a year because. Every time Joe Casada got up to talk, they asked him questions about CrossGen. Unless he said, you're this. Well, no, I'm not. Pretty soon, CrossGen or Casada denies CrossGen claims. Well, we're in the press. We're not paying a penny for it. Okay? Do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. It took Joe almost two years before he figured out what I was doing. <laughs> okay? And then he would respond to nothing. He would respond to absolutely <laughs> Nothing. And good for him. I tried the last thing I tried to set up was a sumo wrestling in those big suits. <laughs> yeah. Me versus Casada <laughs> at Chicago Con. <laughs> I did everything in my power to get Joe to agree to do this. Huh. And he wouldn't, because that's the point in time he figured Alessi, you're just toying with my ass, aren't you? <laughs> Imagine yeah. the billboards. Alessi versus Casada. Sumo Wrestling, <laughs> 2 p.m. Saturday. Get your tickets here for the benefit of actor. And you'd have done it, too. 
oh, are you kidding me? I was in such good shape, I would have tossed Casada around like a fat lemon. <laughs> and so we would have not only gotten the publicity, it would be cross-gen kicks Marvel's butt. <laughs> so did I do it on purpose? Yes. Do I have any negative feelings about Joe Casada? Absolutely not. He took them from uh, a difficult time, and somehow they survived to come out on top. God bless them, you know? Yeah. But I got no personal beef with him. But I did like every day getting new things from Ian Fella that says, wow, you're mentioned in this, you're mentioned in this, you're mentioned in that. <laughs> did you realize in 2002 I was the 38th most influential person in Hollywood? No. Did you? No. you know why? No. Because everywhere they looked, my name was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although if the Spielberg comments get out, which I, I they better, yeah, that's <laughs> it for sure. But if the Spielberg comments get out, I would like a handwritten letter of apology plus funding for something because he's a, a miserable, myopic, dismal, negative person, right. in my opinion. Again, remember, these are not company opinions, they're Mark Alessi's opinions. Although, I know a bunch of people who can prove they're correct. And we're just not going to get into a pissing match with the Village Idiots. We're just going to finish it. Here's the truth. I don't care if you don't like it, but you can't change the truth. What it is is what it is. And by the way, I don't think I've gotten on the phone and said, I'm God's gift to mankind. I haven't said I'm the greatest guy on earth. I haven't said my kindness is only exceeded by Mother Teresa. Have I? I haven't heard that now. No. I told the truth. Told the truth. I do appreciate you taking some time, Mark. I know that uh, you know, what we were talking about, uh, you do have your hands full with your new business. So I appreciate you, you know, making the time for us. I mean, this is two hours you could have been uh, using. Doing what? Now. Having a cold beer? <laughs> Look at what you're doing to me is very important. Doing for me is right. very important. I want you to put the same energy and effort into doing it, Joel, that you put into chasing me down. It was the most courteous pursuit of all time. If I had chased Kate Beckinsdale this way, I would have a different wife. I'm glad I have the one I have. But, you know? Well, thank you for everything, Mark. Adam? Yes. Anything Come on, Adam. Adam. you got to have one last question. Uh, n- no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You left him speechless, Mark. That's no. what you did. <laughs> no, no stone unturned, guys. That was our deal. Yeah. Uh... You answered everything. Honestly, you answered everything I had, and you went in. You went way, way more than what I'd asked. So no, you more than covered what I wanted. And you feel the exact same way. Yeah, I mean, you. Uh, I even slipped in a few questions that weren't on the list there for that uh, that that we normally had, and uh, and uh, you you yeah, grace you, you answered those pretty well too. No, I'm pretty Whoa. happy with everything that I that I. Uh... Do I get like an A for the interview? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A B, maybe a little, maybe a little pumpkin at the top of my paper. Hey, you even supplied the uh, conference line for us here, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That raised yeah. from a B to a B plus. You did yeah. very well. Yeah, guys, please extend yeah. the courtesy to making this get out. Yeah, absolutely. the right way. Yeah, and make sure it does get out because. I've let these people do this to me for years because you just can't fight noise generally. Mm -hmm. But now they're starting to hurt people I care about, and that's not acceptable. Whatever I can do to help you in this regard, I will be glad to. 
Cool. I am not as I'm not a toothless old <laughs> lion yet. There's a few teeth that can bite, so let me know if and where I can help. Sure thing. And give my best to Fred Pierce, who is, I believe, at Valiant these days. Good guy. Thank you for everything, Mark. Can you go get that beer now? <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to get that beer now. In fact, I'm going to get my ninth beer since I started talking to you. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, was it fun, guys? Yeah, yeah. It was. Oh, yeah. I promised it would be fun, <laughs> and I'm glad that it was. Go get them, Tigers. I have a picture of Mary Jane Watson in my office, and it says, Face a tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Well, so did you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, God bless. Thanks for the help. Thanks for the consideration and the time. Yep. And, God, I hope you had the recording thing on, because I don't know if I could do this all over again.